2: Talk. Here we go. How he said he living life as a gringo. Where you question where you fit, and every time you mingle, they say you do this with not of that. My rapping is really bad. <laughs> this life as a gringo. Yes, hello, and welcome to another episode of Life as a Gringo. I am Dramos, of course, and it is Thursday, so it means time for our Thursday trends episode. I'm flying solo on today's show. We're just savoring these last few episodes of the season i think we got i want to say three more episodes after this one right here left on the show also if you don't know uh street Stoke, my other podcast season two has officially launched you can find it wherever you find podcasts the street Stoke podcast it's like a daily inspirational podcast like 15 minutes long i combine ancient stoic philosophy with hip-hop lyrics and quotes um, just something to get your day started on a positive note. So go check that out. The Street Stoke Podcast, season two, just kicked off this past Monday. So it's kind of like a nice, you know, a nice way to, to keep connected as we wind down season two of Life as a Gringo. You have my other podcast to keep you company in the meantime. Now, uh, man, a lot to get into on today's show. And I apologize again for putting this episode up late. For those of you who are expecting it at a certain time, I'm sorry. Um, Not a lot of y'all. I've forgotten to take my trash out. I think for two, three weeks. Not like out of the house, but like put it on the curb in order for the garbage men to come get it. And luckily, like, I live by myself, so I don't you know accumulate that much trash. Plus, I've been traveling a lot these last few weeks. But this is where my life is. I have like two bins outside my house filled with trash still that I need to get out of the out of my vicinity of my my area uh, before we start attracting some some vermin that I do not want but I'm just hanging off with your life y'all I'm not gonna lie to you so I apologize being a little bit late on delivering this episode I'm doing my damn best right now um, I think it's a part of being at the end of the year and you're just kind of like man the end is a sight I'm burnt out from work or so much maybe a little bit of senioritis right as we get to the end of this podcast season but I know I've been slacking a little bit with getting it uploaded in a timely fashion I'm sorry no excuses but I am sorry And with that said, let's kind of tease what we're talking about today. So we're going to talk about Bad Bunny, El Conejo Model, right? His most wanted tour tickets have officially gone on sale. And some fans are pissed. The prices are a little crazy, a little crazy, a Kardashian-esque prices. So we'll talk a bit about that, man, on a tragic and serious note. And I hate how often I have to talk about this type of stuff, but. Another mass shooting in this country, this one in Maine, we'll talk about that. The uh, suspect is still at large, which is scary stuff. We'll talk about it. And then to lighten things up, man, for our mehente segment, we need to be on a lighter note. Halloween is obviously right around the corner, so we'll just do some Halloween-related topics. We'll do some, like, top candy, top horror movies, um, just to kind of cleanse the palate a little bit. that's it, yeah I, I'm, I'm trying to stay Like, you know Up in the energy But, you know so much going on In the world right now But let's dive into it We gotta talk about it uh, we'll, we'll ease into it though And we'll do it In our uh, For the people In the back segment
1: Say a lot For the people In the back
2: All right, so like I said, we're gonna ease into this. Let's talk Bad Bunny first and foremost. You have his most wanted tour. The concert tickets have gone uh, on sale. Prices, people are a little bit surprised by them. Um, so as per Billboard, ticket prices are ranging from about two hundred dollars to thousand dollars, which is crazy to me. Is it shameful that I don't really like concerts? Right? Like I'm, I'm I, as a musician, uh, and I was like a douche calling myself a musician, but yeah, as a musician. I don't know. I don't love going to concerts. I think I love like the first ten minutes of it. And then, um, and then I think I get to a point where I'm like, I just want to be the one on stage, or I'm like, my back hurts at this point in life, my feet hurt. Uh, I, I need there to be a bar, you know, just to like feel a little bit more interested in what's happening. I like the idea of it. I like concert venues. I was just at a, a venue last night, Bowery Electric in New York City, like a really cool kind of um small classic sort of underground New York. Uh, venue, and I was it was my first time seeing a live band in forever. I was like, oh this is like kind of nice, you know, for like fifteen minutes. Then we got out of there, but I don't know. I don't love concerts, so I damn well i am not paying eight even two hundred dollars for nosebleeds. I'm also jaded as fuck, I think, to a degree, I, and I apologize. I'm like ranting right now. I'm a little delirious, but delirious. That was what I was trying to get out. Uh, but uh, but I'm I'm blessed that in radio. I get to go to concerts for free, generally speaking, you know, because we have these relationships with the record labels and things like that. So truthfully, it's been a very long time since I've paid for a concert ticket. So I couldn't even, I, like this sounds wild to me if they're this expensive these days and also like an old man. Because I remember back in my day, you can go see a band at like an arena for 50 bucks. Now $200 for Nosebleeds is insane. So it's just wild that uh, $200,000 is crazy. God bless anybody paying for that, but I am not. Um, now they, they are quoting some users from Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called these days, um, showing a a screen recording of the pre-sale for Dallas, Texas, where the highest up quote unquote nosebleed sections were priced at 198 plus taxes and fees. Standing room rang up at $956 while closer general admission seats in the $700 range. And fans are pissed, rightfully so. I get it. And people are accusing him of being in his Kardashian villain era. Um, it's that's a lot of damn money, man. I don't. I, I'm trying to think if there's anybody that I actually enjoy that much that I would spend that kind of money. And I, let's go living because it's easy to be like, yeah, one night early in Nirvana. I'd probably be like, fuck it, let's just do this, you know, or Hector Lavoe or something like that. But who? um Yeah, I don't. I don't think I'd pay that much money to go see anybody. Truthfully, there's not a concert ticket like a person performing that I'd be that interested in, in doing that. I'd rather be in the comfort of my own home with my surround sound on my TV, my dog just laid out snoring on the couch and I'm just enjoying all the snacks um, that I just raided my local CVS for. And that's a true story. That's how I enjoy life these days. I'm getting old. Uh, but yeah, I can't I can't picture myself paying that kind of money. I don't know. That's a lot of damn money. Now people are asking why are these tickets so high, the prices, and what, what they're kind of saying is that Bad Bunny's actually not doing like stadiums on this tour. He's stepping back a little bit into some smaller venues. I mean, there's still gonna be big venues, but they're not like the crazy stadiums that he was doing on his last tour. So they're saying this time around, while it's still arenas, there the seating is less than it was on the last tour, um, there's gonna be more of a demand for it because there are fewer seats available, hence the higher prices. Supply and demand, people, it's a capitalism at its finest. I also, I wonder how much say he has in ticket sales like this right because i think we're we're easily blaming bad bunny and he's the easy target i'm sure he 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 could you know take a stand if you really wanted to but you know at the end of the day you have like probably live nation is behind this and they're the promoters um i'd assume they're the ones really setting the prices this also costs a ton of money to go out on the road and do a production for an artist as big as him so you know the the ticket sales aren't going to be cheap and again, there's a lot of mouths that have to be fed, and when you're dealing with gigantic promoters like Ticketmaster um, or, or Live Nation, I should say, and then Ticketmaster is involved in selling the tickets, you're you're not really, you know, in a position of of power to dictate the prices at the end of the day. So I'm not like letting him off the hook completely, but um, there's a lot of elements in play. It's not just you know Bad Bunny who is uh, to blame for for these high ticket prices. Damn, thousand dollars. No, I'm good. I'm good, but. um, you know, to each their own. Now, moving on to something sad, heavy. This is like the hardest of of, of of right turns, of hard turns here. There's no way, you know, to kind of like really ease into it. Another tragic day in, in our country. Uh, you had a mass shooting in Maine. Suspect is still at large uh, as of the recording of this. 18 people dead, uh, 13 injured. And they're saying at least 18 people dead. Um, there's an extensive manhunt underway for him. This happened on Wednesday night into Thursday morning. They're saying that the suspect that they're searching for, his name is Robert Card, 40 years old, as of now, wanted for eight counts of murder. Um, the shooting happened in two locations, a bowling alley as well as a bar restaurant. The, the areas surrounding it, residents are being told to shelter in place. The Coast Guard is even searching um, for him uh, via water. They're they're not sure if he might have hopped on a boat. Um, What do we know about this guy? Allegedly, he's a certified firearms instructor. I've seen some conflicting reports on that, but confirmed for sure is a U.S. Army Reserve. Um, He recently reported experiencing mental health issues, including hearing voices, and then threatened to shoot up a military base in Saco. Um, This is according to the Law Enforcement Bulletin. He's also reported to have been committed to a mental health facility for over two weeks this past summer. According to that bulletin, they're saying that in mid-July, leaders of the U.S. Army Reserve's 3rd Battalion told Garrison staff that Card was, quote, behaving erratically. A spokesperson for the New York Army National Guard said in a statement to CBS News on Thursday, uh, the battalion was staying at the Camp Smith training site in Cortland while training at the U.S. Military Academy. They said, "Quote, out of concern for his safety, the unit requested that law enforcement be contacted." The spokesperson said in a statement, "New York State Police responded and transported Card to Keller Army Community Hospital at the United States Military Academy for medical evaluation." And and this is what's, you know, um um. By the way, I'm finding out and reading about this stuff at, at in real time. So if I misspeak on certain parts of it. I apologize. Don't don't sort of hold me uh, you know, um, I don't want to say hold me accountable, but you know, I'm I'm just theorizing here, right? As I'm reading about this and, and getting information and it's it's literally still a breaking news story with ongoing updates, right? But to me, this happened in July where he was committed. Between July and October, how has there not sort of been Uh, a checkup on this man having guns again i don't know for a fact if there was or wasn't i'm just sort of theorizing here but somehow some way he still got his hands on you know assault rifles um how were they not sort of tracking this person who was making threats of a mass shooting right like how does this guy still go about life owning guns or somehow some way having access to guns that can do this kind of destruction, and we see it time and time again. It's like, yeah, I think we do have a mental health crisis in this country, right? Because I know that that's what people who are in favor of of you know um, maintaining gun law as it is, they'll say we don't have a gun problem; we have a mental health issue. Okay, what's your plan? This is where I get frustrated, right? And I'm not trying to just be like somebody who votes Democrat or whatever. Like, I'm I'm literally asking, like, okay, this is your theory. What is your plan to solve it? Because from what we're seeing, your plan is to put more armed security in places like schools and give teachers guns and, and things of that nature, have more of a police presence, a militant uh presence, if you will, right? Like a um, a a, a world that is just armed with security at the local supermarket. That's your, your solution you've been throwing out there, even though you're saying the problem is a mental health issue in this country, a crisis. So are we proposing plans for universal mental health care for people? I'm not hearing any talks of that. Because I don't disagree that we do probably have a mental health crisis or actually not probably. We do. It's a fact, right? so many people walking around with issues and trauma that they're not even aware of and are hurting others as a result. And while mental health treatment and and therapy and things like that has gotten far more accessible than it was, you know, what, 10 years ago, it still is inaccessible for people of a certain economic means. You know, not everybody can afford to spend an extra 200 bucks a month or, or whatever it might be for something like BetterHelp. You know, not people are living check to check, some people. So what is the solution for mental health? That's the frustrating thing. And, and, and I think it, it's frustrating in general when you talk about our current political system because it's a lot of critique, 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 not enough solution. If you're going to critique people and you're saying the libs just want to take your guns away, okay, you're entitled to your opinion. What's the solution then? What solution are you actually putting forward that would make any real change? Particularly when you're identifying we have a mental health issue, not a gun issue. Right? But what's ironic to me, and it's, it's, it's completely infuriating, because these aren't complex issues. The numbers and the data are right there. Right? It's not like we haven't seen what happens when you place a ban on particular weaponry? right? Because this happened. This happened in my own lifetime, right? So there was an assault weapons uh, ban under Bill Clinton, right? And I'm going to Google the year. I believe it was 1994. Yeah, 1994 uh, was when it went into effect, right? So here are are some of the numbers because a lot of people's argument are we have a mental health crisis. It's not a gun problem taking away assault weapons is not going to do any difference. It's not going to make a difference, right? Well, let's let's talk about some numbers. So uh, I pulled this from uh, a website in New Hampshire, the New Hampshire Bulletin. Um, feel free to fact check this stuff. If I'm uh, wrong, let me know. But they were pulling some really good stats that I was able to confirm from multiple sources. So they say, quote, in the years after the assault weapons ban went into effect, the number of deaths from mass shootings fell and the increase in the annual number of incidents slowed down. Even during 1999's Columbine High School shooting massacre, the deadliest mass shooting during the period of the ban, the 1994 to 2004 period saw lower average annual rates of both mass shootings and deaths resulting from such incidents than before the ban's inception. Right? So, the numbers dictated, even including something as horrendous as Columbine, this. Assault weapons ban did work in bringing down the number of mass shootings and slowing down the annual number of incidents. Now, from 2004 onward, right, after the assault weapons ban expired, right, and this was under under George W. Bush, the data shows an almost immediate and steep rise in mass shooting deaths. And again, this is in the years after the assault weapons ban expired in 2004. Breaking the data into absolute numbers between 2004 and 2017, the last year of our analysis, the average number of yearly deaths attributed to mass shootings was 25 compared with 5.3 during the 10 year tenure of the ban and 7.2 in the years leading up to the prohibition on assault weapons. Right. So. After it expired, and again, this is up to 2017, I I know these numbers have have only grown, but this is up to 2017, the average number of yearly deaths attributed to mass shootings was 25. Right? That's post-assault weapon ban, from 2004 to 2017. Compared to the 10 years of the assault weapon ban, when it was 5.3 average number of yearly deaths attributed to mass shootings right? We're talking about roughly five times the number of mass shootings post-assault weapons ban on average. Should be open and closed case, right? Open and shut, whatever the saying is. That's logic. We looked at the numbers. Yeah. There was a big difference when we had an assault weapons ban. The numbers tell us that. Maybe we should bring back the assault weapons ban. That's logic. What happens in the current political sphere that we live in? Politicians. Accepting money from the NRA. Accepting kickbacks that we don't know about, probably, from the NRA. Scared to lose their radical base who loves their guns for no other reason than the fact that they just love having guns. Their answer to this is it won't make a difference. Even though the numbers literally are are slapping them in the fucking face. They are willing to sit there and become blind all of a sudden to statistics and lie to the American public that a ban would change nothing. All because they are too scared to lose their donors and voting base. Like, these things aren't that complicated. And I'm not saying that it would solve everything, right? There's obviously a lot that goes into this, and there's only but so much you can do to keep the bad guys from doing bad things. But. If we can cut down the number of bad guys doing bad things, why wouldn't we? Like There's no real reason to not do this other than you want to play some selfish game because you want to hold an assault rifle in your house in your hands. It makes you feel cool, whatever it might be. That's, that's the only other argument. You don't need it for your safety. We're not at risk of being invaded by somebody. We have a military. We pay billions of dollars a year to keep that military up to date. Our tax dollars go to that so that we don't have to fight this war. And on top of it, you want to talk about protecting your own home? Sure, I understand that. But do you need an assault rifle to do so? especially when we know this is the weapon of choice for mass shootings in this country, when we know, when 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 we can prove that during the time period that there was a ban on them, we saw mass shootings go down. I don't, like, you know if you've been listening to this podcast for a minute, I talk about wanting to extend the other hand, not being judgmental, not calling people names, and all this kind of stuff. But if you can't abide by this logic, And your personal ownership of a gun is more important than stopping more mass shootings. There's something wrong with you. You are beyond selfish. Like, selfish to the point of psychotic at that point. Right? Like, if you said to me, in in some weird way, like, if my dog You know, pooping in the backyard, this is a silly example, but pooping in the backyard, the toxins from it were like making my neighbors go ill and putting their lives at risk. Can I go walk him in the front yard? You think I'm going to sit here and be like, no, I bought this property. It's my own. You guys figure it out. Of course, it's a minor inconvenience. I want to walk him in the backyard, not in the front yard. But if you're telling me that it could save people's lives. Of course, I'm going to say, yeah, it's worth the minor inconvenience of me having to take my dog in the front yard rather than the back. I now have to wear pants outside. It is what it is. That's that's kind of what we're talking about, like, but except on a grander level, like we're legitimately saying, like. You not owning an assault rifle which is completely unnecessary in your normal, everyday way of life. You wouldn't even notice a difference. You giving that up could potentially save lives. And you're just kind of like, eh, I'm okay. It's a mental health problem. Let's just give everybody guns and have shootouts in the street. That's your answer. To, to literally give up something that you're not even going to notice that's gone at the end of the day. Nobody's saying you can't have a handgun. And, all, and, and nobody's saying that you can't have other weaponry. Right, because the second part of this is making it harder for people to get guns because they fight back on that as well. Because what does that mean? Less sales for the NRA, right? It means the gun manufacturers, the gun community is making less money because less people will be allowed to get guns. And we can't have that because God knows where their money is going as far as donations and everything. It's, it's it To me, again, It's it's simple logic open and shut case, yet we live in this world that is is societally so incredibly selfish that they will have you believing that this is a complicated issue just to feed their own selfish needs. And this is, unless I'm going to say on this, this is a, a a bigger conversation of like why things like term limits are so incredibly important, right? Because you have these, these old farts in office that are literally just fucking Addicted to the power and everything that comes with it. And it's a part of their identity that they are, you know, on their deathbed walking into Congress. And people like Mitch McConnell, you know, having like public episodes of, of whatever is going on, or, or uh, Feinstein, who's a Democrat, like finally, you know, she's stepping down. But like people who are just not in a place to be in office anymore. I would even say Joe Biden. But it's this. Addiction to their power to, to being somebody. And then what happens? They're constantly in campaign mode, right? Because they 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 constantly have to be raising funds for the next race, right? To, to be able to stay in office and maintain that power. So what do they have to do? They know that if they want to be in office for the next 30 years, they're going to have to make a lot of friends and less enemies, scratch a lot of backs make donors want to give them more money. So that's going to become the priority over doing what's right. Whereas if we had term limits, if somebody knows I'm done after four or eight years, they're going to probably be acting a lot differently, right? They're probably going to be acting in the best interest of hopefully what they stepped into office for. And again, I'm not saying it's going to, you know, make any corruption, you know, just obsolete and go away? Of course not. But at least people are not operating under the pretense of constantly having to raise money, therefore constantly having to make particular people happy, right? Because if they didn't have to make the NRA happy, maybe they could start signing and creating bills that actually do something about gun problems, right? Maybe if they weren't trying to keep the fanatical base of the right happy, When it comes to their gun ownership, maybe they would be able to serve with just using logic and statistics rather than what's in the best interest of keeping them in office. And again, it doesn't solve everything, but these are little things that could be done in order to make sure the politicians are focused on doing what they're there for rather than prioritizing things like their reelection campaign year round. Because again, the numbers don't lie. Statistics are there. This isn't isn't a hard argument. You see the numbers. Yet they will come up with every single excuse in the book to tell you why it doesn't make any sense. Right? To tell you why the sky is, is, is green rather than blue. You're looking at it. It's blue. But they will literally figure out any sort of weird back alley way that they can to weasel you into thinking that it's green. Right? They're telling you what the problem is while never giving you any sort of real solution whatsoever. It's smoke and mirrors, man. It's scary. It's scary that that it could be this simple, yet we make it that difficult. It's it's wild. My heart goes out to anybody affected by this. Sadly, this is not going to be the last one. And, you know, these stories suck. I hate talking about them but it's like we have to keep pointing out the idiocracy in our modern system and the powers that be. We can't let them shape shift and create all this nonsense, this noise to make us think that this is a more difficult problem than it actually is. And again, not to say this assault weapons ban eliminates violence in general, but we saw the stark difference from when we did have an assault weapons ban to when we didn't. The numbers are right there. And any improvement is, is a step in the right direction and something that I would support. But here we are. Another episode, another mass shooting. Now, with that said, we're going to take a quick little break here uh, and then we'll come back on a more positive note. We'll get in the Halloween spirits. But uh, yeah, we'll be right back.
0: I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick
2: start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily
4: to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: all
2: right so i want to keep it real light for for this uh, rest of the episode I mean, hint, this segment, let's talk Halloween, right? This is one of my favorite holidays as a kid. I don't know if I liked Halloween better than Christmas. I think I did. I used to love, like, all the TV stations would do, like, the 13 nights of Halloween, all Halloween-related content. They don't do it anymore. When it was, like, ABC Family, they had that show, Scariest Places on Earth. I used to love that show. And, uh, yeah, these days, I'm not eating as much candy as I used to because I love, I love candy. It's crazy to me, actually. I'm, I'm going to get on this soapbox and make it about me. We're talking about Halloween. But... My life has changed. I'm proud of myself. What was like? You got to pat yourself on the back because let me tell you, I have a sweet tooth that knows no balance and I love candy, all kinds of candy. I love chocolate. I love sour candy. I love candy. I don't keep candy in my house anymore. That's how like much I've grown. Like I don't even have, you know, a candy bar in my house. I stay away from it. Even when I go buy snacks, it's rare that I will buy actual candy. I would try to find like a trail mix. I'll try to do something Some alternative, or like dark chocolate rather than milk chocolate, even though I hate dark chocolate, right? But just some sort of alternative to just straight up eating all that sugar. And I love sour things. Oh my! Don't even get me started. So I'm proud of myself that I am have cut back. I'm probably going to OD on Halloween when I uh, I go DJ and and just live a little bit. But I'm proud of myself. It's no longer a regular part of my life. Now moving on. Let's talk about the top ten Halloween cannings according to CBS.com. Now this is according to sales right that's what they're 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 making this data from all right so in no particular order on here peanut butter cups right Reese's peanut butter cups I support it I can eat them only in small doses I actually like the smaller like mini ones I find those to be uh just better more satisfying they also have like a different um texture is not the word I'm, I'm looking for but like they're a little bit like a harder shell which I like uh and and then the like regular Reese's cups my sister loves those Reese's cups I used to hate them as a kid but I appreciate them a little bit more now as an adult but I, the, the mini ones have like a harder shell and a little thicker I I like those uh peanut M&Ms I absolutely hate peanut M&Ms oh wait no I'm thinking peanut butter M&Ms peanut M&Ms are my fucking what am I oh I've had peanut I've had peanut M&Ms in a long time this is also a good thing me not working in the radio station studio every day anymore because they got the vending machines and it's just fucking temptation city over there because it's all Horrible food for you and candy in those machines. Peanut M Ms was one of my go to and I used to do the overnights at the radio station. Love peanut M Ms. Regular M Ms, sure, if they're there, um, fine. I'll eat them. We used to have a, a ton of those at the radio station. I used to OD on that as well. Um, they have like the fun size ones for free. I don't know if M Ms were sponsors or something, but yeah. Tootsie Pops, classic, classic. Although I have to say, like Tootsie Pops are amazing, and then like the Tootsie Roll middle. Not really a fan of that. I like actual regular uh, Tootsie Rolls. Twizzlers. I'm a fan. I like the Pull and Peel Twizzlers the most. I actually think I like Red Vines better than Twizzlers. Fight me if you want to. Um, But yeah, sure. I I fuck with some Twizzlers. Uh, Hershey's Milk Chocolate. Delicious, but I like it with almonds. That's my little cachet, if you will. Uh, I can eat the fun size Hershey's bar, but it's not going to be my favorite like first choice. Sour Patch Kids. I lose my mind to some fucking Sour Patch Kids. The watermelon ones, particularly the, the slices or if you these are rare, a little more rare. But the cherry ones, the cherry sour patch kids like the bag that just gets black. And oh, my God, that was my shit. My mouth is just like cut up even thinking about it. Um, candy corn, disgusting. I want to know what psycho is eating candy corn for personal enjoyment. My mom is actually that psycho. Disgusting, terrible. And I'm not even trying to jump on the bandwagon of hating candy corn. It's You're just chewing on wax. It's terrible. It's awful. Who, who actually enjoys candy corn? Now, moving on. Kit Kat. Love Kit Kat. White chocolate Kit Kat. Next level shit there. But I love me some Kit Kat. Last one, Starburst. Yep. And it's got to be the pink or the red Starburst. Um, those are the absolute best flavors. Followed by orange. Last being yellow. I don't even know why yellow, like the lemon, is even still a thing anymore. They should find a new flavor to swap that out it's trash. Absolute trash. Fight me about it again if you don't agree. Uh, let's see. Those are your top 10. Top 10 uh, candy according to sales. According to CBS.com. Right? And I wonder, you know, I'm trying to, as an adult, Halloween is almost better. Because I'm, like Now I'm just going off on, I'm thinking about like as a kid. Although I have to say, my generation, my parents weren't regulating how much candy I did or didn't eat. They let me have all the stomachaches I, I wanted. These days I watch as with my niece and nephew and my sister is like on them like a damn hawk. These poor kids are like regulated as to how much of the candy they can eat that they got on on, on Halloween. I was, I was thinking like as an adult I don't have kids yet but like do you, are you is, it, is it frowned upon to steal your kids candy? You know what I mean? Um, also as an adult you just buy the fun size bags of candy like for yourself. I know my mom does this even though she claims it's not for her. Um, she will buy the fun size bags of baby Ruth and like Tons of stuff. She's like, "Oh, it's for Halloween." The next thing you know, she has to go back out when it comes to actual Halloween because they ate all the candy already. Um, my mom is getting a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of strays. She's catching a lot of strays in this episode. Uh, I just want her to eat a little healthier. Now, moving on, we are going to be talking about here the ten scariest movies ever made. Ten scariest horror movies. This is going to be according to Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, now. I was looking at this list before we started recording. I feel like I've seen most of them. I'm just going to go through it quickly. The original Exorcist 1973. Yep, this one scared the Patalones off of a young Dramos uh, as a as a kid. This movie freaked me the fuck out. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I like, could only watch it in parts. Um, I don't know if I've actually ever seen it start to finish the whole way through. Uh, let's see. Number two, the movie Hereditary from 2018. I have never seen this movie... Um, I might check this out not at nighttime. I might check it out during the day on the weekend. Number 3, The Conjuring. Yes, I've watched this movie. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, I think I mentioned this during one of the previous podcast episodes that somebody asked me what my favorite horror movie was. When I worked in a movie theater from like the ages of 18 of of 17 actually, 17 to like 21, um I wa- we watched every movie ever, right? Like we would get off our shift on a Thursday night and we would watch a movie. Um, and then throughout the week, we would show up and watch movies. So I, I've seen, like, during a certain time period, um, The Conjuring Other was 2013. I wasn't working at the movie theater at that time, but I saw it at some point. But anyway, there's going to be a lot of movies that I know I've seen. I just don't remember anything about them because they just all blend together. Uh, let's see, The Shining, 1980. I've never seen this movie the whole way through. I fell asleep during it the one time uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine tried to make me watch it, and it's just a long movie. I never tried watching it again. Uh, original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. I don't think I've seen this one the whole way through. I've seen parts. I did like the remake with Jessica Biel for obvious reasons of um, Teenage Me. But uh, I think that one still holds up. I haven't seen it in a minute, but that one was, was good. The Ring, 2002. Ironically, I've never actually seen this movie. Uh, this is my era of like being a teenager in, in school. Everybody talks about it. Never seen it. Uh, Halloween, the original one, 1978. I have seen that. I am, though, a bigger fan of the Rob Zombie remake. Um, that's just my opinion. Sorry any of the purists out there. Uh Sinister 2012. Have seen this one. Again, I do not remember a damn thing about it, but I have seen it. Also, I think even during this time period, one of my good friends still worked at the movie theater. So I used to go see free movies all the time. So like again, all this shit just blends together. Uh let's see. Insidious 2010. I remember this one. Scared me. Loved it. Insidious is a good one. Uh let's see. It 2017, the remake, and it rounds out number ten. I'm I possibly look at the damn numbers, but number 10 it's 2017 i still haven't seen that one i've seen i've seen parts of the original i actually have it on vhs in my studio i have a, uh, a vhs player i leave it on in the background running i've let it is like a two a two disc or a two uh, two tape vhs movie so it's a, it's a long one i've seen parts of it haven't seen it the whole way through i haven't even seen the 2017 one i'm going to add that to my list actually before halloween i'm going to watch this over the weekend uh, it the remake as well as what is this one? hereditary from 28 Uh, this one is is interesting, it's a dark family drama about uh, a nature of grief couched within a supernatural horror film, sold sold, I rewatched the movie House of Wax the other day, I think I was talking about that as one of my favorite movies, holds up just a good slasher flick teenage, you know, sex and angst that's what you want in a horror movie, all the Scream movies still hold up for me, that's probably my favorite also Scream and, and House of Wax I, I enjoy those movies, even like the more recent Scream's. Like they're entertaining, they're they're interesting to watch, um, not as scary obviously, but just interesting twists and turns. Good little thriller horror movie. So that's the list according to Rotten uh, RottenTomatoes.com top ten scariest movies ever made. Uh, and I saw, I think Blair Witch. Oh, Blair Witch is underrated. The original, the original back when we were kids, and you didn't know if that shit was real or not. That was like the first like one of its kind. I remember they even had the website and like you'd watch the videos uh, of like the you know, last time they left the house and like all these behind the scenes things. And it made it feel like this was a real documentary and you weren't sure if it was real or fake. That was scary as fuck watching that movie for the first time. That one, I think Strangers, the 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 one with uh, the guy from Aerosmith's uh, daughter. I, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. Um, Strangers. I thought that was scary as fuck, even as an adult when that came out. It was just like I felt so tense the entire time while I was in the movie theater. That was a, another one that should be on that list, in my humble opinion. Um, I used to be really into horror movies, not as much anymore. I don't watch movies as much anymore in general. But yeah, anyway, before I get into the tangent about that, that's your top 10 Halloween candies uh, and top 10 scariest movies of all time. Keeping a light and army hint this segment. And with that said, we're going to tie everything we talked about today in a neat little bow. In a segment called Conclusion, Stew." First, let's take a quick break, and then we'll be right back.
0: I often get asked why I'm such a big fan of wrestling, and it's all thanks to my grandma. Growing up, we would watch matches together, and that bond turned me into a lifelong fan. Hi, I'm Freddie Prince Jr., and on my podcast, Wrestling with Freddie, we know how important it is to have the right teammate because things can get pretty tricky quick. So, when things get complicated and you need help, State Farm gives you options. They show you what's possible for ensuring what matters to you. One of the things that matters to me? Sharing memories and revisiting wrestling's greatest moments. And with State Farm's support of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, I get to do just that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Cultura shows
2: All right. So just summing up what we talked about today, Bad Bunny has gone full on Kardashian with these damn ticket prices. Fans are pissed off. I get it. I get it. Almost $1,000 for the top seats, $200 for nosebleeds. I'm good. I'm good on that. There's a lot of things I could do with $1,000, a lot of things I could do with $200 that I would probably enjoy far more than that. I would just buy it. There's like this Tommy Hilfiger, a vintage Tommy Hilfiger motorcycle jacket I've been watching on eBay. And I can't justify it. Right now, I've been telling myself if one of the things that I uh, have been working on, if it like, when we, once we sign the contract, I'm going to go out and buy that jacket. But I would much rather spend a couple hundred dollars on that or whatever it is uh, versus the Bad Bunny concert. I love Bad Bunny. I love Bad Bunny. But I'd rather watch it on TV. Realistically, I would feel way better and enjoy it far more with doing that. Just saying. Now, when it comes to this mass shooting in Maine, it's just terrible, man. Like, there's there's no way to talk about it, and like this is what, and, it, and it's frustrating because it's like I don't want to, I don't want to talk about this, but it's like we have to, right? If, if we don't keep these stories at the forefront and and like are aware of them, we could just blissfully go on ignorant. And, and thinking everything is fine until, God forbid, one day it shows up at our very doorstep, right? And it it's just really sad. Like, it doesn't have to be this way. If, if the powers that be just thought with logic rather than their own best personal interests, like, again, this is the numbers don't lie. We saw what happened when you banned assault weapons. Mass shootings went down they went up when when you when the band was was uh over it's very simple you know like it doesn't it 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 doesn't have to be this difficult right it it, it doesn't have to be this much of like a polarizing conversation i guess right if we were all just a little bit less selfish and a little bit more logic-based rather than emotion-based, we'd see that we can make a big dent in this issue. And again, if we were also more solution-based rather than leading with blame, we would actually come up with solutions for the mental health aspect of it rather than just pointing fingers. And these are all, Sort of analogies or examples, if you will, of a lot of the problem with our government and the powers that be. They are in constant campaign mode and they want to hold power for as long as possible. And those are their priorities with us coming in third. You know? So, with that being their priority, of course, they're not going to be leading effectively, right? Because they're they're going to have one hand behind their back. And 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 have loyalty to whatever or whomever helps them achieve their primary goal, which is staying in power, right? And that's where we are as a, a country. And that's why horrific events like this one just continue to happen, so. I, I, I always try to have a, you know, like a positive spin solution. I'm trying. We just have to keep fighting, keep being vocal. You know, I, I don't think enough of us are getting pissed, to be honest with you. I, I, really, I really do believe not en- enough of us are pissed off. Not enough of us are thinking with logic. Not enough of us are voicing our opinions. Are not, we're not showing up. We're not holding these people accountable. We're not demanding better of them, of our press, of of everybody. We're just accepting that this is the way things are, right? And I know a lot of people are like, oh, my vote doesn't count. Nothing changes. That's why I don't vote. You not voting definitely doesn't put a dent in the problem, right? Like without a doubt that we, we know you not participating in democracy and participating in something that People are still fighting to get a right to do, right? People fighting for citizenship. You not participating in that, yeah. Maybe nothing's changing, but you're definitely not helping in any way at all. Whereas at least if you were doing your bare minimum of voting and being well-researched, a well-researched voter, maybe taking a step further, you're putting a small dent in it. You're at least doing something. You're taking some sort of action. Right? You are. Making some sort of potential change, or at the very least, you are contributing in the possibility of things getting better. But you're not participating at all. You are are not contributing to anything at that point, and that that's what you got to kind of keep in mind. And I, I think more of us need to adapt that sort of mindset and and be a little bit more active uh, in in participating if we really want to see things change. Rather than just throwing our hands up and saying, "Oh, nothing's ever going to change." Things can change. Things have changed. Is it painfully slow? Absolutely. Is it soul-crushingly slow? Absolutely. But this is the only way things really change. We have to use the tools that are given to us, that we've been blessed with at the end of the day. Right? There are a lot of other countries that don't even have this right to participate in the, the choices that happen in their leadership. And again, it feels like we really don't have that much power. And I get it. And maybe there's some truth to that. But I'm also not just going to give up. Because again, that's a guarantee that nothing will change. At least if I participate, there's a chance that something will change. And I will always, always do what I have to do to be on the side of chance rather than nothing at all. That's my personal opinion. That's what I, I hope you get from this. Now, Halloween candies, horror movies. I don't know what the takeaway from that is. The list looks pretty good to me. I genuinely want to go hit up CVS right now and just get like every single one of these things. I'm not going to lie to you. I could fuck up every one of these candies that are mentioned on here. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to wait. My one day to binge is going to be Halloween and that's it. I'm going to give myself that. No, not today, Satan. And these horror movies, um, I don't I don't know what the the takeaway would be. I think my only takeaway from from the horror movie conversation is that i need to go watch uh the remake of it and i also need to go watch i already clicked out of the screen what was the other movie i was watching? uh hereditary which apparently is the number two scariest movie of all time so that i have to watch before halloween and also It, the remake before halloween that's my homework for for this weekend um, everybody have an amazing halloween weekend if you're going out partying, be safe out there. You know, shit gets crazy. You got, the, uh, you got the rookies out there in the streets. Things get real wild. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, it's kind of like New Year's where it's just like amateur hour. So be safe out there. You know, get an Uber. Don't drink and drive. Have a fire costume. Um, just enjoy yourself. If you have kids, you know, do it up big for them. They love shit like this. I remember being a kid and those memories still stick with me to this day. So um, enjoy it. With that said, I will catch y'all on Tuesday with a brand new episode. Again, the Street Stoic Podcast, my other podcast, like 15 minutes daily, Monday through Friday. Get your morning started with some inspiration, hip hop lyrics and quotes mixed with ancient Stoic philosophy. And uh, we got about three more episodes left of Life as a Gringo Season Two. And I have no idea when Season Three is airing again. It's probably gonna be a couple months. I have a little hiatus, a little break, but uh, that's why we got the Street Stoic Podcast to hold you over until that happens. Have an amazing weekend. I'll talk to y'all soon. Be safe. Peace. Life as a Gringo is a production of the Michael Tura Podcast Network and iHeartRadio.
1: The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford